Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Do y'all hear this beat? Oh, what? Yes. Hey. Oh. Y'all, I created that beat. I was so shocked myself, but yes. Yes, I created it. It was me. It was me. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, good morning to my early birds catching the worm. If you're just waking up and tuning in, good afternoon. And if you're burning the midnight oil, good evening. It's Friday. It's Friday, y'all. The beginning of the weekend. So you know exactly what that means. We are back. If you didn't know, every Friday morning, a new episode will be posted on every platform with new topics and conversations, guests and visitors, and weekday highlights. Thank you to all my co-hosts listening and tuning in. Welcome back for another episode. I'm so glad and excited to have you. Let's go ahead and start the episode because we are about to get into some things and I hope you're ready. So put on your seatbelt, relax. We're about to merge into the Diamond Lane. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, girl. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. Of course. Good morning, everyone. It is Friday morning or evening or afternoon, whatever time that you have decided to come on in and listen. Welcome to all the newcomers. So today we are here with a very, very special, special, special guest. (laughs) I have to say it three times because, you know, three times the charm. There's three of us. I do have two older sisters. And today we are here with a guest appearance of my oldest sister. She is an author of her first book that has just become published. It is out there. It's called Free Your Real Vision. And stay tuned when all of her books drop in all stores and the online website. Stay tuned and make sure you get yours. And I will have more information on that real soon. She is a songwriter. of her own, you know, shower recording vocals. <laughs> yes, shower studios, you know. Incorporated. Incorporated <laughs> over here producing tracks for uh, your bath time routine. <laughs> See, she is also the CEO of Yes, She Leads and the COO of Her Own Life. Yes. Everybody, please welcome and give a round of applause for my oldest sister, Alexandria Bervin Harris, because... We had to add the hyphenated on there because she is married. Yes, I is married now. Thank you so much for such a wonderful, lovely introduction, Diamond. Of course. Of course. So today we are here to talk about a topic that I feel um, most college students have to go through. Yes. Especially me. So I, I really have like a few questions and hopefully, you know, don't don't strike a nerve too hard for me. So listen, I, I I will always speak the truth. I will just do it in love. Right. So you know, but but it's important. It's important that we share information and insight and wisdom, so people don't feel like they're alone, especially when you're in college or just coming out. Right. So today's topic is congratulations, you've made it. Now what? Now what? <laughs> Where do we go from here? So, Alexandria, after you completed undergrad, and you can absolutely go ahead and tell us um, what your undergrad degree was in, what university you attended. But the first question I would like to ask is, what did you do after graduation? Where were you headed? What my did Lord, you, my God. Did you, what, what, what? Let us know. So, I... Graduated from undergrad. I also have a master's, but uh, my undergraduate experience, I graduated from California State University, Northridge. CSUN. CSUN. (laughs) Matadors Olay. That's the mascot. And it is in Northridge, California, right outside of Los Angeles. And it is a huge university, 30,000 students. But it was a beautiful, culturally rich experience. But I let me be honest with you, even before we get to the graduation point, I struggled. I did not graduate in four years. Uh, it took me additional time to finish my degree due to lots of different circumstances, one of which I was in uh, a very uh, traumatic accident and I had to take some time off. 
And then in addition to that, I changed majors. And so credits that I had disappeared and made it where I had to take some additional credits in order for me to uh, complete a degree. So, you know, just even getting to graduation you know, getting to the congratulations grad, like that's a big deal. So shout out to everybody who is getting ready to graduate and those yes. who have graduated. Especially class of 2020. Absolutely. During Listen, the pandemic. You are a survivor. You're not going to give I'm up. A survivor. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to work harder. Listen, Destiny's Child knew what they were talking about. Yes. Okay. Uh, and that song actually came out when I was in college and I would listen to it to hype me up for a test Mm -hmm. so you know congratulations to all of those who have graduated and who have made it across that finish line that is not a guarantee so shout out to you but then going back to your question diamond what do you do after and and you're asking me specifically what did I do after that so after I graduated I started (laughs) I went from the top to the bottom. You know how Drake songs say started from the bottom. Now we're here. <laughs> I, I like, you know, elevated to the top. I was one of the highest paid students on campus. I had, um, you know, a prestigious job in uh, student affairs. I worked with leadership development. I helped student organizations get their work together. I worked in an office. I had a desk and all of that. I graduated and lost my mind child so I applied for hundreds of jobs at the time there was no indeed so you had to actually do it by paper there was no indeed during your time oh no 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 was there a linkedin there was no linkedin what era was this y'all I'm sorry I'm clowning no 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 thank you for reminding me thank you for reminding me that I'm I'm elder I'm an elder in your eyes uh even though I am in my 30s so how did you get internships or jobs with word of mouth the office, the office of internship on campus was the only place where you really had direct access. The I don't cr- think we have those Center now. for Center for uh, Career. Okay, and Center for Career and Development. Okay. Yeah, they would have a notebook. Yes. By paper. A paper notebook. And pen. And you would flip through the pages of this notebook because companies would... She's laughing at me. You all, listeners and fans. <laughs> Diamond... Your illustrious oh, host God. is clowning her guests. I am guests. so what? sorry. Um, <laughs> it's just times have really changed. Yes, from the year that I was born. Yes, from the year. So my older sister and I are fourteen, <clears throat> fourteen years apart. Yes, and my middle sister and I are ten years apart. I am the baby, and it is just so funny to hear how they used to do things in life back in the day (laughs) back in the day when When i was young i'm not a kid anymore but some days i sit and wish i was everybody say oh god (laughs) don't get her started (laughs) listen i know the verses today so you know i can i can snap for you okay thank you i need that the triangle (laughs) but it is just so funny to listen to how they used to do things and it seems so difficult because now things are so easy. It's at your fingertips. You can do it on your phone, on your iPad, on the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, people, you know, we're on Zoom uh, Zoom chats mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. to do work and stuff. So it is just really funny. I don't think that I was... Sometimes I think I like to think that I was born in the wrong era. However, I think that this is the era I belong. Because I don't know. I don't know how y'all did without phones and... Oh, yes. A book. A book and a pen is how you got an internship. A book and a pen. A book and having the right person who was going to tell you about the internship because you had to meet in person to even get an application. We had paper applications where you had to go into the store. They don't even accept paper nothing nowadays. You're right. You're right. If you wanted to get a, uh, a job at the mall... You had to go to each individual store, ask for the manager. If the manager was not there, then you had to come back and you walk down the aisles of the mall collecting paper applications to send so that you could get a $5 an hour job at the mall. I mean, this was the world at that time. And so you're talking about internships. You're talking about having good paying jobs or for a recent graduate to our point, 
where did you start at that time? It was definitely a different conversation. Websites were available. So, I mean, I wasn't born in the dark ages <laughs> here, uh, but webs, web was a backup plan to the regular operations of, of what was like paper. Y'all heard how she called the internet web? The web, the interwebs, the, the web. internets. Surfing the web. Surfing the, mm-hmm. listen, mm-hmm. surfing, surfing, uh, surfing the internet. Uh, but yes, I mean, that was what it was. It was, it was AOL dial-up, you know, that it was, AIM was the hot thing. Yo, it was I, like, do you have an AIM messenger? Oh, you're, not, you're in the loop. I did not have a sidekick growing up. Listen. However, I did have an AIM and I wish I could remember what it was, but it was kind of like, <laughs> Ooh, if you got her aim or if you got his aim, that's equivalent to you having like that person's number. Yes. And you were on top. Yes. <laughs> yes. It was like, oh, you're fancy. I mean, this was in an age and an era where every household did not have internet. Cities, major cities didn't even have internet in every part of the city. So, of course, internet was a part of our lives. I use internet to email papers to my teachers and that type of thing, but it was optional. You know, Blackboard was not fully developed the Mm -hmm. way that it is today. So we still brought physical copies of papers into classes to hand them in. So, uh, so those are the types of things that, you know, internet has changed a lot, but I will say to the point of access, things are easier, but that also means that if they're easier, more people can do it. So how many people are going to walk through each door and ask for an application, fill it out correctly and bring it back in? You may have, right. Because I, I know of a few people, a couple of students who are in college who still don't know how to write clearly right don't know how to correctly um execute penmanship right i mean we're we're still going to have that podcast episode about what to do and what not to do in an interview oh um, yeah how to dress and how not to dress because i think that my generation sometimes still does not get it no they don't because i definitely have seen people i've interviewed people uh, because i've had the opportunity to conduct interviews with college students Mm -hmm. uh, in the line of work that i've done in terms of leadership development and they will come in with some leggings and a shirt and they have made an effort that day they put on heels with it and they Mm -hmm. made an effort that day and that was them making an effort and while there is room to say generations have changed and, you know, cultural expectations have changed. There is still a baseline standard that helps people to not judge you based on what you have on so that they can really hear from what you have to say. And to be sure that someone understands that you are mature enough to be in part of their environment, right? Because that becomes the question. This is not about, oh, well, it's too short or it's too much cleavage. I mean, those things are debatable. It's more so about what says I am grown, grown. Mm -hmm. What says I am ready to sit down and do the work in this environment. And that I am able to actually do this work. Absolutely, because if you're applying for a job at Google, there's not really a concern there. They are fine with you coming in a pair of jeans and... Uh, a relaxed shirt and maybe uh, a tie, right? Mm -hmm. That's not inappropriate, but that means that you're paying attention to the environment, right? But if you go to a law firm and you want to be the receptionist, that's the entry-level position. Mm -hmm. You need to come as sharp as possible. Right, because you're the first face that they see. Any client that comes in, you're the first face. And so sometimes it's not just about, is it quote-unquote appropriate or not? Sometimes it's asking, is this person aware of the environment that they are in and are they ready and willing to respond and look like they fit into this environment right so then let me ask you this and as I know we're veering off topic but I feel like this is a really great really great question um in terms of realizing your your environment and who you're around why do companies even care about in terms of hair Mm mm-hmm not a haircut and I'm not mm. talking about for men because I know there are some men who do have locks and I know a lot of companies don't approve of that mm-hmm. but specifically for our black ladies out mm-hmm. there if they would like to wear their hair in a fro or if they're doing a bantu knot twist mm-hmm. out or if they're anything that's not straight mm-hmm. that's not uniformed why do you think because I know that you've been into many rooms mm-hmm. of different people of different caliber, different stages. 
why does it even matter the characteristic of what my hair looks like if I can do this job? If my resume is ABC and I can do ABC to the furthest extent, mm -hmm. why does it matter what my hair looks like? Well, the, the quick answer is it doesn't. That's the quick answer. It, it doesn't matter. When someone decides that it matters, when they try to make it matter, mm -hmm. when it doesn't matter, they are doing one of a couple of things. They are, as a mid-level manager, just saying, hey, this is what I was told. These are the expectations and standards that I have, so I'm enforcing them onto you, right? And so they are just operating with what was handed down to them. That doesn't make it okay. I want to be clear about that yeah. because it is discrimination. There is a such thing called hair discrimination. Mm -hmm. There are actually people in in certain states right now that are fighting to get laws put in place right. to stop and, hair discrimination. And I'm not talking about color. I'm talking right. about style, locks, cornrows, afro, right. whatever your hair texture is. Right, because there are into. Uh, certain dress codes, policies right. for jobs, state government official positions to say, you know, please come in to work with professional hair. Mm -hmm. What the heck is that? <laughs> <clears throat> what is professional hair? Can you show me pictures? Mm -hmm. And if you can, they're typically of white women. Right. And what do you mean by professional hair? And how does my hair growing out of its head in its natural state suddenly become unprofessional, unprofessional. Mm -hmm. and that's why i say that it doesn't matter people make it matter because the real underlying piece of it is that black women are exactly. already considered inappropriate yeah. before you get dressed before you wear your makeup before you say mm -hmm. hello how are you today you have a resting face well and, and I mean, the reality is if it's just my face, it's just my face. Right. But if your expectation is... Uh, She's angry because she looks like that. Well, it's that you've already decided. That person has already decided that you're angry because you're black. Mm -hmm. And then they look for things in how you show up, what you wear, and how you speak to reinforce that that negative notion that they already have. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so if they are already coming into a conversation about a job, a workplace environment, and they've already decided, well, you know, black women, you know how they are. They're gossipy. They talk. The minute that you say, what happened to Judy today? Is she out of work? Well, I don't know if, if her child is okay. Ooh, here she go gossiping. They're already deciding who you are mm -hmm. and what you've done. And they're just looking for something to prove their point. Right. So hair is one of those things. Black women uh, and, and black men for sure have always been criticized about our hair during past times, a hundred years ago, certainly during enslavement, but even after that into the civil rights movement, uh, being appropriately dressed and looking appropriate uh, had a lot to do with being clean, right? And because our hair texture is typically thicker, curlier, kinkier, coilier, the assumption by people who do not have our hair texture is that it's extra dirty. We also typically do not wash our hair every day. Mm -hmm. And other cultures uh, and other ethnicities who have different hair texture who wash their hair every day assume that they are they themselves as people are cleaner and more hygienic and just better because they do these particular practices. My hair does not need to be washed every day. As a matter of fact, my hair would probably break off right. if I washed it every day. Mm -hmm. And it's because the oils and the texture and all these different things, they're just different. And so if we come from a standard in the work world, especially if you're just graduating college, you're on your college campus, you could be free as a bird. You can do whatever the heck you want to do. You can wear what you want to wear to class most times. You can wear your hair however you're most comfortable. And then you're trying to transition into a work environment and you're thinking, what's wrong with my blue highlights? Like, right. why is that an issue? What does that have to do with my ability to do my job? And there's someone who's already sort of predetermined. These are good people, good mm -hmm. people 
you know, have their hair in a straight texture, have it pulled back and more reserved, you know, uh, cooperative people, they are more mild, they are not dressing colorfully, Uh, they don't wear purple suits to the interview, they wear a black suit, right? Mm -hmm. Because that says that they are quiet and they will follow instructions versus somebody who wears something colorful or has colorful hair, oh, they must be loud, they must be eccentric, they're not... They're not going to be easily controlled. And not that these things are all wrong, but a lot of times they are based on discrimination. And they eliminate someone's opportunity from even being heard and their resume being seen before the person even has a chance to really show their best self. Like somebody's name, a LaQuisha versus a Mary for some people, that is already enough to say, well, they can't work here because... Right. I've actually seen that happen as well. And that's unfortunate. And that's discrimination. I mean, that's a similar thing with the hair. It's a part of your identity is being judged and you are being disqualified for being born who you are mm-hmm. versus anything about capability. Right. And I definitely can say that I learned how to present myself when it comes to presenting myself to people when I'm walking into a room professionally. Um, I learned all of that at school from Tuskegee University because freshman year, it was kind of like, you know, I'm getting a feel for everything. And, you know, HBCUs, we have our fried chicken Wednesdays and you need to come dressed to the T like it's, it's homecoming fashion show every single Wednesday. And it's almost like, if you're not dressed right, what is you doing? What is you doing? <laughs> but honestly, from sophomore to senior year, especially senior year, because I've made my mark as a senior, I'm getting, I'm doing what I need to do in order to get out. Now it's time for me to step out and introduce myself to companies that I feel will be best for me. They also have to understand that like I'm here to do my job, but I even though it's a it's a presentation, it's a presentation both ways. I'm presenting myself to this company, and this company is also presenting themselves to myself. Um, so I definitely learned how to dress and how to stand firm on what I look like, who I am as a person, mm-hmm. what I'm representing. Because anywhere I go, I'm always going to represent myself, my family, but also the university that I come from. Because Tuskegee is everywhere, I'm always going to... That's always going to be on my head, on my shoulders. I am a Tuskegee woman. I am a Tuskegee graduate. So I need to look like it. I need to act like it. I need to act like I know what I, what it is I'm saying going into, you know, these people's rooms. Absolutely. I mean, and that is a reflection of your values and your standards, right? right? And so every person is going to have to come to the moment where they decide, what are my values? Mm-hmm. What are my standards? And... That is, that's a part of growing up. That's a part of the graduation. Congratulations. Now what? Right. That's growth. That's growth. That's growth <laughs> as, as Tiffany would say. Right. Uh, and looking at how do I want to show up? Mm-hmm. Because there is a choice to be made between personal style and professional standards. Yes. It's not wrong. And that to- company will always remember what you wore, if it's wrong, they're always going to point that out. And that's their judgment call to make. Right. And so you have to be clear. How do I want to show up? Mm -hmm. And how do I want to be seen? Absolutely. And so if you are a very eclectic, eccentric person who loves color and loves print, and you feel like you need to be true to yourself, you need to know that everybody doesn't share your same feelings. And so you can show up authentically as you and do put your best foot forward right Mm -hmm. and understand just know that everybody may not be ready to receive you right and that's that's the choice that and and it is okay that is okay but that's the choice that you make yeah i am a very colorful and eccentric person i like african print i like all kinds of things depending on the job i've applied for Mm -hmm. if i get called into an interview i make choices about what i do i never ever pretend to be somebody I'm not, mm-hmm. right? I have changed my hair for an interview before and I didn't like how I felt. I have as well. I didn't like how I felt. I was like, 
As soon, as, soon as you're done out the interview, listen, you're in the car taking the scrunchie out like, oh, let me scratch my scalp. <laughs> let me let you breathe. Because I'm already thinking if I change my hair for the interview, I'm already thinking if I get the job, how long yes. into this position do I actually have the permission from myself mm-hmm. to change my hair back to what I'm most comfortable with? So for me, when I did that, when I was younger, I realized this is not the way the truth or the light for me. <laughs> I am not going to do well by trying to fake it in this particular setting, but I will always commit to put my best foot forward right. and make sure that I'm representing what you said earlier, which is my values, right? right? And make sure that I am operating off of my values when I go into these interviews and make sure that I show up there. And so then it's less about what I wore and it's more about does she fit the cultural dynamic of what's happening? Is she qualified for the job? Will she get along with our parents or our students or our clients who are coming in the door? And I want them to see my character. Mm -hmm. And you want people to see your character so that they know that you are trustworthy. So they know that if they leave you in the room with a a new uh, client, that you would be respectful, right? Mm -hmm. That you would do your best to represent the organization. And so that can be done in kente cloth and that can be done in sparkle glitter nail and that can be done in a suit, suit, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's just about how do you know that you want to show up, making sure that you're authentic, but making sure that your character is on display more than your outfit. You are preaching. You are preaching today. And I'm actually really glad that we are here in this this segment as well. Um, Though it was very much needed, we are like, all the way off topic, but I don't even care because I felt like it was it needed to be said and it needed to be talked about. Well, I do feel like it does connect to the topic right. in some ways right. because it's important when you graduate, the transition between being... College life and, and life real life. Oh my God. It's, it's it different. It is so different. It's, it's different. It's a different world. Ooh. From where you come from. Yes, Aretha sang it. Aretha sang it best. The Boys and Men version is good too now. Here's our chance to make it. Hey, if we focus on our goals, we can dish it. We can take it. Yeah. Just remember that you've been told right here on the Diamond Lane. Wait, I can't. <laughs> it's a different world from where you come from. I couldn't even finish this song. <laughs> that's okay. That's the, they got the point. I think. No, but that is that is really real. Leaving from your your university bubble mm-hmm. to transitioning into what the real world is, what adult life is, it is completely different, and it does hit you all at once. That's another topic for another day. <laughs> But, um, but yes, like it, it, it is completely different. And I feel like people who have gone to school like longer, they get so wrapped up in this university bubble Mm -hmm. because everything is right. Everything that you need is right here. You have your friends, you have your apartment, your car, your job, you working on your degree, but you're not ready to leave well and so i think you make an excellent point about being in college and especially if you stay on the campus a lot i stayed on campus for four of the five years that i was in undergrad and you're so lucky yeah i, I well i worked on campus so oh, wait, as well. you stayed on campus four of the five yes four years i okay, stayed on I, campus for four years okay i was there all five years <laughs> That's okay. The whole time. The whole time. <laughs> and you followed in my footsteps as a resident advisor. I was. I was resident advisor for four years. I stayed in Douglas, two years Russell, one year James, and then one year Young. Oh, yay. And so those experiences <laughs> are important though, right? Yeah. So you turn 17 oh, yes. or 18. Being an RA definitely has taught me everything I know about being a leader and being accountable yeah. for other people. Absolutely. So it's not that you're not an adult when you turn 18 you are an adult but there is a difference between being an adult and being grown 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 and so you turn 18 you are an adult you vote Mm -hmm. you have you can buy a certain by the time you're 21 but you know you can still be in college you have access to buy things that you weren't allowed to buy prior to being 18 Mm -hmm. right uh you can go to the military i mean there are certain things that come with 
the access of, of turning 18 and becoming an adult. You are not required to respond to your parents. You're not required to live with them where prior to 18, you are required to live with a parent or guardian of some sort. And so there are legal ramifications for all of that. So you do really come into your adulthood in college. And so 18 is a real transition to adulthood. But the transition outside of college, as you mentioned, even access to food. Now, you may not love what the calf have except for on Wednesday for Fried Chicken Wednesday. And Friday. Fried fish Friday. And Fried Fish Friday. You may not love what the calf serves every day, but you know that there is a resource available for you to Mm -hmm, eat. To eat. Within a few minutes of where you sleep and where you sleep is within a few minutes of where you go to classes and where you go to classes within a few minutes of where you can buy your books and where you buy your books is within a few minutes of where you have it's your it's it's it's, and it's a whole ecosystem and it is important. It's Mm -hmm. training ground. right? Right. I think people who go to college are actually better prepared to transition to quote unquote real world because they have had to negotiate and navigate life and talk to people from different backgrounds. In certain aspects. I think in a lot of aspects, even if you go to a two-year college and you go to school for two years, you have stood in lines and had to, you know, fill out paperwork for your financial aid. You've had to budget your resources. You've had to talk with different professors who speak different languages or come from different academic backgrounds to help you get to where you need to go. You have had a great experience that empowers you for the next level. But just because you have an advantage from maybe people who don't have that level of exposure and don't have those experiences doesn't mean it's easy. Right. Right. Because you get out of college and things are completely different. They're patterned completely different. You can send an email to a particular director checking on a particular position and not hear back from them for six or eight months. Oh, <laughs> but that would not necessarily be the case if That's you're on so campus true. and you email a professor. You're going to see them within seven days. Oh, wh- when are your office hours? Right. Oh, okay. Three o'clock. I'll be there at two fifteen. Just Absolutely. in case you walk by, I'm going to sit outside your office. And I'm going to wait book, for you. Right. I have a snack. Got my music. And they owe you that. Just waiting for Mr. Johnson, you know. I'm (laughs) pretty sure he's in there. He's looked out the window twice, but he don't want to come out. That's that's, fine. And that's okay because you'll be right there. Because whether they see you that day or the following day, you live together Mm -hmm. in an ecosystem that ensures that you will get a response from them. That ensures that that person knows that they owe you some sort of communication. Whether they need to explain something to you, answer questions for you, uh, fill out letters of recommendation, all that kind of stuff. In the real world, that obligation is not there. You can reach out to someone and ask them about a job. You can ask them for a letter of rec and they can never respond and you don't know why. And there's no obligation to you to complete that information, right? right? And so you have to then figure out, well, then how do I navigate without those resources? Okay, great. So in terms of people who have graduated college, they have their degree, they celebrate it, gave themselves a pat on the back, but they have become stagnant or they're applying to jobs. They're applying to internships. They are applying everywhere or where, or where, but they're not getting the type of responses that they assumed that they would. What advice would you give that person? Because sometimes I feel like, um, we get wrapped up, especially in college, we get wrapped up of having everything at our fingertips since we're right there, especially when it's career fair. Career fair, the companies come out to you, they get to talk to the students, boom, here's a job on the spot. It don't work like that when you graduate. So what advice can you give to that person who is continuously doubting themselves whether or not they should continue to go with this career field. They got the degree, they have the experience, but no one is, you know, reaching back out to them. So my first thing is I'm going to share with you what I went through, right? So I graduated. I mentioned I was at the top of um, the the top tier students Mm -hmm. who were being paid well on campus. Mm -hmm. I had a solid GPA. Uh, I had professors who were super proud of me. I, you know, I'm getting awards and that kind of thing. And then I start applying for jobs. I get nowhere and I start getting really sad and really down. 
And I'm at this point, I have an apartment. I There's no more financial aid. Uh, so that's not going to be a resource I can depend on. My family has already extended themselves to help me up until this point. I need to just make some life happen. Mm-hmm. I got a job at The Gap. Me with a degree who ain't never worked retail before. Wait, does The Gap still exist? The Gap, the clothing store, The Gap. Gap yes. is still open? It's still open. I'm not that old. Well, no, no. <laughs> Where? There's a gap in every major city. Okay. They're open. They're, and they're still in the malls. Okay. But I got, a, I got a job at the Gap, and I cried. I was like, what has my life become? I was counseling students. I was a peer counselor. I was doing leadership development. I was organizing events on campus. I was a residential life advisor. I had resources and I was working and I was making more money as a student who had to finish a degree. I was a tutor on campus. I was making more money as a student who had to finish a degree than I was as a person in the real world who had a degree and couldn't get an interview for a job. Mm -hmm. And so I went to just taking care of myself. I went to go work at the Gap. And from there, uh, you know, after I stopped crying, and because it was definitely a struggle, uh, I started saying, what can get me in the door to help me do something purposeful and meaningful? Mm -hmm. Because right now, I'm not getting the opportunity to do jobs that would actually financially be beneficial. But I feel miserable working at a clothing store. Because I did. I could have gotten that job at 17 and 18 years old out of high school. Right. I've done all of... I have all this experience. I have this degree. I've done this work. What can I just do that would have a little bit more meaning for me so that I don't feel like my whole life was set up for me to work... Retail. Mm-hmm. And what I did not, was... Absolutely not knocking retail, but baby, I'm that not, is not for us. I'm not knocking retail. That is retail. not for me. It actually helped me so much. Once again, once I once I could get over the fact that life was not working in the pattern that I was looking for. Mm-hmm. I was able to appreciate, hey, I'm able to provide for myself and keep a roof over my head and take care of my basic necessities, right? I'm able to interact with nice people. Uh, I was I had a clothing discount, right? So I tried right. to look at the bright side of the situation. So the first thing is just take care of your basic needs. Do what you must do to take care of the roof over your head so that you have the opportunity for more. Mm-hmm. So again, once I kind of let go of being angry and sad about things not working exactly how I want it, I have to also say in the midst of this, I I had a relationship fall apart that I was in that also made me feel like, oh my gosh, my life is going nowhere and I'm so lost and I don't know what to do. And I had to get a grip. So I started to look at the bright side of that current situation. But the second thing was, what work can I do that brings meaning to my life, that feels purposeful, that I can maybe give back in some way? Whether it's a lot of money or a little bit of money, at least I know that I can say, yes, I have a job that takes care of the bills, but I can do something that's meaningful, that enriches another person's life, that feels like it's closer to who I really am. If I can't get that job full time right now, at least let me get my foot in the door. And so I started working for the Boys and Girls Club. Mm-hmm. And I was doing after school programs. I was doing, you know, tutoring. I was uh, helping plan some of their fundraising events. So I began to do something that is called youth development. But it was taking what I had done as a, a student when I was a student worker with college students. And it was applying it to K through 12 uh, high school, like elementary and high school kids. Uh, and I was primarily focused on the middle school and high school students. And I said, okay, this is interesting. I'm serving youth. I'm helping them with not only homework, but life skills. We're doing problem solving. We're doing computer work. We're doing things that help them be a better person. Talking about life skills. Talking about what they should do to get ready for college. And we're talking to 10 and 12 year olds and 13 year olds. And that was something that their families had not really discussed with them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so me being a college graduate, I could tell them, hey, you should look into these programs or you should check out this type of scholarship or, you know, start thinking, do you want to stay home or go away for college? Start looking at life beyond 
beyond just this moment. Right. And I saw some of these younger kids' eyes open up. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is interesting. I feel like that was where I was as um, as an RA to the freshmen. I never had upperclassmen until, I think, my third year of being an RA. But, you know, being a freshman, you're completely new to everything. And you want to know as much as you can. So I feel like... Um, that was that was where I was when I was already. Absolutely. And so I began to realize, and this is important for those who have just graduated, that I had what's called transferable skills. Mm. I'd never worked at a boys and girls club before, but what I learned through customer service mm-hmm. at the Gap mm-hmm. and what I had experienced with leadership training transferred to that application in the and college field it you. transferred into the Boys and Girls Club yeah. and so that gave me new opportunities and new jobs that I could apply for because now I had experience working for a youth development nonprofit mm-hmm. And I built a whole career around working for youth development and nonprofit uh, programs and organizations. So what do you do now? So now I Besides am... Besides being an author, CEO, songwriter, COO, you know. You got all the titles. <laughs> I am an author, speaker, and serial entrepreneur who focuses on professional and personal leadership development. Slash life coach. Mm-hmm. And so I do some coaching. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do some coaching. Uh, but that's a part of, you know, if I'm doing some life coaching, that's a part of your personal Fix development. Fix my life, Alexandria. Yes, that, that's <laughs> true. I, I do have a little Yala in me. Uh, and so, but, but I mean, but that's real life because we all have challenges and problems. Right. Even if we have what we consider success, even if we have a decent job or that good job. We can always be better and yes. greater. And there's challenges that come up where we say, do I go left? Do I go right? Do I, or do I duck? Do I stop, bro? Stop, drop, bro. Stop. You don't know that song? Oh, wow. See? See? There go Listen, the different eras and generations. <laughs> no, if you say pop, lock it, drop it. Um, pop, lock it, drop it. No, R.I.P. the homeboy. Yes. Or if you say, do it, do it, do it, do it. Hey, hey, and nothing to it, do it. Do it, do it. What's good? Bounce with it, drop with it, lean with it, rock with it. Step to it. All my ladies, put your back to it. Do it, do it, do it, do it. See, we we can commune. We can commune. We might be different generations, but we still all love to snap and dance. And, okay, and but that's it. only because our third sister is not here. Everything will turn upside down. Listen, and that's okay. Like sometimes, that? sometimes in order to see the picture clearly, see, you need to turn it upside down. It's y'all 80s babies. That's, that's, that's weird. Y'all, y'all are something else. Listen, listen, we, we hold it down for you all. <laughs> You, you 90s wild cards over here. We hold it down so you all can rip, rip, uh, run free, run with the birds, run with the wind. All right. So what other questions do you have regarding how college students should be able to think about or recent graduates should be thinking about their transitions? Because um, I want to make sure that your audience really feels better prepared. Like, so what I said was, you know, look at the bright side of whatever situation that you're in. Uh, you know, definitely get the job that at least allows you to take care of yourself immediately, but don't stop looking for other opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then look for opportunities that allow you to be in your purpose and allow you to use transferable skills, even if it's not full time, but that it gives you a way into um, practicing skills that will help you get to the next level because right. that's definitely what I did. I mean, you definitely said it best and I think it helps that, you know, I you are my sister and I have you all to myself so I can basically like, you know, go and ask you questions while you are cooking or mowing the lawn if you decided to mow the lawn that day. Um, <laughs> she does not mow the lawn. No, I clean, I'll clean gutters, but I'm not mowing the lawn. But no, I I definitely think it's really important to know for anybody, whether it be even after graduation or after you have just completed a year at your first corporate job and you quit because you hate it. I think it's just important to know that you are not stagnant. Yes. You're not stuck. And and you're not failing. And you're not failing, even though it may seem like Nothing is working right now. Um, 
everything that you're trying, you you put you you jump you know five steps, but something a win does knocks you down ten steps back. But I th- I just think it's important to know that you're not struggling. You're just mid conquer. And so, Ooh, I love that mid conquer. Yes, I actually, I actually posted that on Instagram, like for my for my uh, graduation photos. And I'm looking at my graduation cap, and I just think it just goes so well with what we're talking about. So on my cap, I actually put, "Okay, God, what's next?" Because I'm I'm still trying to figure out life. Like I I am in school, and I have my career goal. However, at times it does feel like I am not doing enough. Well, and I so- could be doing more. I could be doing, I could be doing it left. I could be doing it right up down. So I just think it's just really important for anybody to know whether it's school, job or relationship, um, personal life goals, personal, uh, self goals that just because you are on a, um, a slight pause. Well, here's the thing. You may not even be on pause because if you're applying for, jobs and they're not coming through for you you're not pausing you're moving you just may not be moving at the pace that you want to move but I want to share with you a quote that changed literally changed my life okay because what you really need to understand is that you are in a pivot Mm -hmm. this is a pivot and life is full of pivots I've pivoted a number of times right so wait in order what is a pivot because really a pivot is a is a dance definition yes um, of a certain move where you're like if you're walking forward you're gonna like turn your foot to where you can immediately turn left or turn right so you're pivoting to immediately turn to another direction yes so that something has come in front of you to where you can no longer move forward you need to pivot and turn back so uh when i first learned the term pivot it was on a it was on a uh runway training for to be a model Mm -hmm. i was doing that and uh, so when you walk to, when a model walks the runway, when she gets to the very end of the runway and she turns around to walk back, that's called a pivot. Okay. Okay. And so in ballet, there's a, a pivot, but that's a specific like toe uh, positioning, but it is about a turn. Mm-hmm. And so a pivot is in your life, when you have to pivot in your life, it's, hey, I'm moving forward. This is the plan that I have this plan is no longer working or I see that I can keep going this direction and I'm not seeing the results that I would like to see. I need to pivot. I need to change transition, turn in a different direction to get a different result. Right. And so this quote really helped me uh, a couple of years ago, actually make an important pivot in my life. And you were talking about the stuck, you know, feeling stuck or feeling like you're a failure. Mm -hmm. It says you are not stuck. You're just committed to certain patterns of behavior because they helped you in the past. Now these behaviors have become more harmful than helpful. The reason why you can't move forward is because you keep applying an old formula to a new level in your life. Change the formula and get a different result. Mm. This quote jumped up. This has been a guiding reminder whenever I feel stuck, whenever I feel like I'm not doing enough to remind me that I'm not stuck. It just may be time for me to change the direction of what I'm currently doing. Mm -hmm. So after working for The Gap in the Boys and Girls Club, and I did that for about a year and a half, and I looked for what is the leap? What is the quantum leap opportunity? Because I'm applying for nonprofit jobs. I'm doing youth development services. What do I need that I don't have? And I had to think differently about how do I get there to the next level, whatever that was. And I started looking for internships and externships, fellowships. Mind you, I'm an undergrad who already graduated. I never did an internship because I always had a job. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, one of the things that distinguished me from others who were graduate, who graduated when I did, who went into a career field, they had internships. And I said, wow, I never took those opportunities because I had to support myself, right? And so I could never work for free as an intern. Let me see if there are any fellowships or what they call externships. Those are internships essentially that are done after graduation Mm -hmm. that I can apply for. I apply for everything around the entire country (laughs) that I could find. And there were several of them that were paid externships. And I accepted one in Washington, D.C. I had been to Washington, D.C., one time in my life for three days 
uh, on a conference for school and I was determined to go back. I said, okay, that I have enough information to be able to go there and I'm going to move to D.C. to do an externship and I'm going to get more skills so that I can build my career. That decision, because it was a bold one, I did not have a place to live. I only knew one person who lived in Washington, D.C. at the time. Now I know a fleet of people who live there. And I moved across the country to do this uh, this externship for the summer. And that choice led me to a job in D.C. So I permanently moved to D.C. That choice led me to connect with some people who uh, helped me get into graduate school with a fellowship at Syracuse University, that decision opened up the doors for me to then do other work and teaching and research around uh, cultural studies. And, uh, you know, so it just opened doors, opened doors, opened doors. And from there, I moved to Atlanta and, and began to, you know, work on a different era of my life. And I've been here for 10 years and I've started businesses. I've, you know, been an, you a new that? service trainer. Y'all heard that, people? Business says, yes, I'm a serial entrepreneur over here. So one good decision can lead to another. And it was outside of my wheelhouse. My parents were not comfortable with me moving to D.C. They didn't know anybody there. They didn't know what to expect. And I just needed to do something bold. I needed to not feel stuck in a place where I could not see how I was going to ascend to the next level. And I had to try something new. So I tried something that was not a part of the pattern. I moved across the country and took a huge risk. And that risk led to other opportunities. And it really was a game changer in my business. So it may not be you moving across the country that works for you, but it may just be looking outside of applying for traditional jobs. It may be volunteering for a certain organization that helps you meet some other people that open up those doors. It may be taking on a fellowship you know, someplace else where it gives you exposure or on the job training, there may be other things that help you get where you need to be. Uh, And so just don't discount those unique ways that you can find to shake up a bit of the pattern in your life to find your own personal route to success. That is amazing. Well, thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much, Alexandria, for uh, putting on your seatbelt merging into the diamond lane and diving into this absolutely wonderful, much needed, great topic. Um, And I hope that you can stop with us again. I shall. I shall. You know, (laughs) I I like going in the the diamond lane because we fast. We fast over here. We fancy. (laughs) Okay. All right, y'all. This is the end of the segment. I hope that you guys were able to uh, stay along for it was a little bit extended. However, I am absolutely grateful for the time that we have together. So have a great and wonderful day and a great weekend. Stay tuned for the next episode.